Wow, Emily. I've never noticed how pretty sunsets can be in the overworld. Oh, crap! It's nighttime! That means stall children are gonna start popping up out of the ground and attacking us. Ah! This is terrifying. Why is this happening? You mean you've never seen this before? I thought this happened to everybody out here. No way, Emily. This kind of stuff only happens to me when you're around. Hey, wait a minute. Josh, keep swinging your battle axe. It all makes sense now. The haunted jukebox. The dry boneses. The assorted booze. And now this. Emily. Are you a necromancer? What? Absolutely not. That's where your MP meter comes from. You're not a wizard. You're a blood mage. Josh, I don't even eat meat. A minor detail. That's a pretty big discrepancy, dude. Look, we can talk about this later, but first we have to run. Agreed. Head toward that village. Once we're safe there, we can queue up some tunes on the jukebox. Hey everybody, and welcome to the VGM Jukebox. I am Emily. And I'm Josh. Each week, we play tunes recommended by you, our patrons, and we also read your testimonials. Alright, starting us off, we have a track from the game Bomberman 93 for the TurboGrafx-16. The composer is Jun Chikuma, the track is Inferno Planet C, and the patron is, and I apologize ahead of time for the pronunciation, Zhang He. So let's take a listen. Zhang He says, Bomberman 94 became a tradition with my friends and I. Even though we were in our 20s, around 2001, and the game had been out for ages, we still had this as a go-to party game most nights after work. The PC Engine had a multi-tap that allowed five players to play together, and used controllers were so cheap we could load up. After playing 94 for months, we needed to mix things up a bit, but didn't want to lose that Bomberman bliss. So when I came across Bomberman 93, I was thrilled. All the Bomberman games on PC Engine slash TurboGrafx-16 are fantastic, and the music is top-notch. This track is a lot of fun, and retains the well-loved Bomberman theme with some nice new touches. I love when the bass solos out and mimics the lead. So cool. So Bomberman. What do you guys think? 
Hey, it's great to have Bomberman on two subsequent episodes, as well as Jun Chikuma joining us again. It's true. That uh, sounds great. Yeah, Bomberman games are super fun, and we actually had a lot of people commenting on how much fun uh, Bomberman Saturn was. Was that what it was? Yes. Um, and, I believe so. And apparently you could do up to 10 people on that system. So, so awesome. Up to five on a on a 16-bit system, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I've played four-player Bomberman before. I forget which one. I think it was on a Super Nintendo. And that was really fun. That was the first time I had played non-one-player Bomberman. It was great. It was crazy. So I can only imagine what 10... 10 players would be like. That conversation in our comment section was really funny, actually. I think we're all going to go to Gomansama's house and play together. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, where does Gomansama live? Is I don't he know. If he's really a god, which I think that's what the Sama means, do you think we'll have to, like, summon him in the forest or something like that? Maybe. Or maybe we'll have to find, you know, that one VGM track that transcends us to a higher plane, and then suddenly we'll just be there. You know, it doesn't have to be a god, I think. Actually, I think it's just like a ruler or something. Sama is like, the, yeah, just like a... Like a king. Yeah, exactly. Something yeah. that you wouldn't use for someone who wasn't in a super high position, but... But, you know, Mount Fuji's also a Sama, so... Well, Fuji-sama. It's in a very high position. That's true. So it's, maybe Gomansama is a mountain and we have to find... It's the mountain king of Japan. Did you know that? Fuji? Yeah. It's the president of all the mountains in Japan. So Gomansama, let us know where you live. Josh and I will come trick-or-treat at your house. Dressed as the square wave and the triangle wave. And then hopefully... <laughs> All these other VGM podcast personalities will show up too, and we'll have a 10-player Bomberman extravaganza, and it'll be amazing. Yeah. I also just want to say, uh, this TurboGrafx-16 sound, it is kind of my favorite video game sound. Oh, really? Yeah. It sounds kind of like gimmick a little bit. It's like yeah, the expanded 8-bit. It, it yeah. still sounds really um, computerized, but... It sounds softened up from what the NES and the uh, Master System sounded like. So when did that happen? Because you've mentioned before that you really do like the TurboGrafx-16 sound, but when did it become your favorite? Do you know when that moment occurred? I think it was from listening to Gombody Golf Boys or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. So pre-VGM Jukebox or during? Oh, I think pre. Pre, okay. Yeah. I'm not saying that, like, my favorite soundtracks ever are on it or something. I just think everything sounds really good on it. Yeah. I agree. This whole soundtrack is really good, actually. We did mention that uh, we've we've played one track from it before, Quarry World. Um, still so good. So... Yeah, I put in my vote for the soundtrack, too, that uh, it's worth listening to through and through. Yeah, um, great. From the great Chikuma-sama. Yeah. 
I don't know if June Chikuma is a man or a woman. It's a man. She's a woman. Oh, she's a woman? Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, the carrot man corrected you on that once and you've forgotten. Whoops. I think I think it was June Chikuma. Could be, could be. Alright, I'll check it out. I'll yeah. check it out while I listen to this next track, which was recommended by Zatch. For The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. This is Gerudo Valley. Composed by Koji Kondo for the N64. This is a famous tune for good reason. I remember the scene really well. It transformed country pastoral horseback riding to heroic horseback riding. Ocarina of Time came out when I was in middle school and this track probably has everything to do with me playing trumpet and continuing to. That is so cool. I love that this music inspired him to either start or continue playing trumpet. That is really cool to me. Good job, Zatch. Yeah, I'd like to hear uh, a cover of you playing that. Oh, that would be so good. Blow up our yeah. speakers. Send us a recording <laughs> or put it on YouTube or something. Explode our hearts, please. Yes, this is a super, super classic, and you'd asked a couple episodes ago, Josh, for patrons to send in the really well-known tracks, Yeah. and ironically, you don't know this one. There's a couple like super well-known ones that I don't know, including last week's Diddy's Kong, whatever. Yeah, yeah, sticker Diddy's sticker Kong brush. Quest. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that one. That one was really good, too. Uh, I don't know this one. I just didn't play these games, you know, so... Right. I mean, I... As long as there's a, a song can be very classic in the VGM community, I guess, but if you've never played the game, you still might not have heard it. So I'm glad I made that request because, uh, you know, it'll expose me to some, some hits. Right. 
Yeah, that's so true. I mean, there really is just so much VGM out there. To me, I mean, maybe it has something to do with our ages, but Nintendo 64 was very big when I was in middle school or the beginning of high school. So we were all playing this game, and this was the anthem from the game. I mean, Ocarina of Time has amazing music, but this particular track, you, the first moment it comes in, you just are blown away. And then you just want to be listening to it the whole time. And it's in kind of a precarious situation. You're sneaking around um, a village where you can't be seen. It's a stealth mission, basically. Mm -hmm. So it's really stressful, and you can't really just like sit somewhere. I think maybe you can sit in the jail. If you get caught, you can probably just listen to it in there. So I probably spent a lot of time just standing around in the jail <laughs> listening to this tune. So good. Yeah. Hmm. You know, thinking of uh, Ocarina of Time, I don't have Ocarina of Time, but I do have Twilight Princess. But I also didn't buy Twilight Princess, so I don't really know why I have it. Weird. Yeah. It, it just well, showed think, up one day? No, I think I do know who lent it to me, but he never asked for it back. His oh. name is Bazil. Bazil, if you're listening, what's up? Request a song. I think. <laughs> I think he, like, didn't really want it or something. Have you ever gained games or lost games? And That people uh, didn't want? I don't know. I just feel like... There were some games that I just started calling mine, but I don't know where they came from, and vice versa, games that I had that just disappeared. And I probably let somebody borrow it and just forgot, I guess. I have... Um, I don't think so. I think I know where all of my games came from. I've lost books, for sure, oh. by lending out books. Yeah. But video games, not so much. I do acquire video games from friends sometimes. Um, patron Jeremy, at some point, was like, I'm never going to play my Game Boy again. Here, have all my Game Boy games. And I was like, are you sure? Because there's some really good ones in here. And he's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Um, so I've now had his collection of Game Boy games for, I don't know, maybe going on 10 years at this point. But I still feel like they're his. They're mine. But if he asks for them back at any point, he can have them back. So it's like a very, very long-term loan. But no, I've never had anybody loan me something and then forget. I don't have uh, too much more to say about this very Spanish-themed and uh, melodic and cool song. Um, but I have had a moment where pastoral horseback riding turned into heroic horseback riding. Oh, I'm excited to hear this. <laughs> Have you ever ridden a horse, Emily? Uh, briefly. So, Not for real. I mean, I know, yeah, because sometimes you uh, go to a place and you pay some money and they ride you around on a horse. I did right. that around the Hollywood sign one time and um, it was fun. But you just kind of are just like, you feel like you're on this kind of long tour that makes your legs sore and it's fun at first and then you're like oh my gosh what I wouldn't give to be off this horse because it hurts <laughs> right uh, and you're just kind of going kind of slow but the, anyways then in Costa Rica when I went there uh, over Christmas um, Claudia and I we did the same thing we rented uh, like a horse tour I don't know if you rent a tour what do you 
you schedule a tour and you pay the men or whatever. But um, there are way less like regulations in Costa Rica about that sort of thing. First of all, everyone's very respectful of the land. There's not a bunch of trash on the beach, but mm -hmm. maybe there's just a horse tour that the government is not monitoring and like a horse just took a huge dump on the beach or something like that. And then maybe some dog that nobody owns literally dives into that horse poop and rubs it all over himself. True story. But anyways, <laughs> what we got to do um, is if you could make your horse run on the beach, you just do it. And so I got to actually experience the horse going from like that annoying trot to like right. that gallop is that what it is it's like a gallop yes. where they're like yes. in the air for half of the time it's yes. really cool that's awesome i tried to do that once on a you know i think it was a you know at halloween a lot of times they have horse rides for some reason i i've never thought about that before why halloween but i was on one once and i decided to do the giddy up you know kind of like squeezing your legs because I wanted to see if the horse would actually go and the woman who was leading it with me was like don't do that don't oh, ever yeah. do that again so that was kind of neat because the possibly the horse could have taken off and that would have been awesome but alas yeah it was a well-trained horse it's weird how horses you don't have to really know the horse for to know what you want <laughs> horses are weird Anyways, I'm uh, reliving that Costa Rican experience right now. Um, as as, you're, as, as you're galloping on your exercise ball to this tune. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's gallop into a track from the game Street Fighter X Mega Man. Is that going to be Street Fighter Times Mega Man? Or I don't Street know. Fighter X Mega Man? That's well, a good maybe. Question. Maybe Inspector Claw can tell us, because he's the patron who recommended it. We're going to be listening to the main theme, and this is for the PC. Inspector Claw's own words. Why do I love this track? Galloping bass and quick arpeggios fill my energy tank to the max. What a tight 16-bit melody reimagined through the unmistakable 8-bit Capcom sound. Nostalgia is the only pain I yearn for, and this track brings out my inner masochist. Nostalgia is the only pain he yearns for. 
Yes, such a sweet pain. Um, that is nostalgia. Did you hear all of the callbacks to the Mega Man tunes? That's what I was hearing in there. Yeah, it's cool that it's a PC game. I I wonder were they really using the PC hardware or did they just use like a old Nintendo hardware to do it or something? I don't really know anything about this game. This was the first time I'd heard of it. Hmm. So I'm not sure if it was a Steam game or what. Typically, I guess modern PC games tend to be Steam, right? Maybe? That was possibly a very, very ignorant statement. I don't know what I'm talking about, patrons. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know, but I do know this. I know how to say the X now. Oh, okay. And here's why you don't really know how to say it. It's a Japanese release. And, okay. Uh, yeah, it was released for Microsoft Windows, but I guess it was mainly released in Japan. And um, the way you say that X is Kurosu. Oh, cross. Like cross, yeah. Street Fighter cross Mega Man. So it's a like, crossover. Yeah, literally Kurosu. crossover. Kurosu. Yeah, so cool. Man, what a track. It's a good one. Uh, and it was composed by Luke Esquivel? Yes. It's very interesting. Um, I really like how this tune achieves... It hits on all those Mega Man notes that you expect, and yet it seems completely new. It's not in your face, all the little callbacks, I don't think. Is there any Street Fighter in this opening, though? Or is this a purely Mega Man-driven title theme? Mm, I can sort of imagine a Yoko Shimomura arrangement of this, I guess. Especially the beginning. I don't know. Well, they're I'm both just trying Capcom to think. Games. I'm, ass I'm assuming this is... Alright, I don't know anything about this game, so we should do some research. But on uh, the assumption that it's a fighting game, um, then is it sort like of from Mega, Mega, Mega Man's point of view? No, it's, it's a Mega Man game. It is a Mega Man game. Yeah, but the bosses at the end of the levels are Street Fighter characters. Oh, funny! And by the way, they look really cute. Do they? Yeah, I'm looking at a look picture at of little Dalsum right now. With a, he's got like the Mega Man style big head, and it's really cute. Aww, I'll have to check that out. You know, Mega Man is an interesting character to me. I thought about what Mega Man is uh, a little while ago when I was playing Mega Man Nine, and it's kind of weird because like the only difference between Mega Man and the other robots. I guess is that he is not completely deterministically acting, right? Or something like that? Like, what do you mean? In Mega Man, all the enemy robots have very specific sets of moves that they can do. And it's almost like they're just programmed to take out Mega Man or perform a series of bullets or something like that, right? It's kind of right. like, they they know that you're somewhere, but they can only do a certain series of moves to try to, like, get you or something like that. It's sort of like you are fighting a security system in that game, Mega Man. And the huh. only difference between you and, like, the little inverse Mega Mans that run around sometimes are that you have, like, 
a human brain. Like, literally. Because you're controlling it. Right? Huh. Well, yeah, and also, Mega Man doesn't really have his own powers, right? He has to steal powers from everyone else. Well, he does- he has a good gun. You could beat the whole game with the gun. I guess. Does that count as a power? I guess it does. Yeah, I guess so. But you lack some other fundamental powers, like, um, laying on the ground or something like that. <laughs> oh. To dodge. Yeah, to duck. Yeah. And you can't move left or right, or I guess from his perspective, you can only go forward or backward. Forward or backward. Well, we're getting deep oh, into did the Mega you know Man that analysis here. Apparently Mega Man is a 3D game, but he only operates on a 2D plane. Okay, get it. I get it now. Um, so he's forever trapped on that one line. Yeah, because we were kind of talking about like how other... Like, especially older games that don't have any random movement on the part of the enemies. It's all just, like, deterministic. What you do is entirely... You know, what the enemy does is entirely dependent on what you do first. And so in that way, we can question our very own existence and say, you know, am I just reacting to other people around me? Have I just become myself as a sort of... Uh, you know, series of reactions. Impressions from yeah. other... Yeah. Those are the kind of questions I like to spend a lot of time thinking about, actually. Are we all robots? Is there free will? I don't know if I want to get that deep on this podcast, though. I didn't really want to get in, get that deep into it either, but I did want to make it um, sort of a segue to you talking about your job. Oh, I see. I see. Do you really want to hear about this? Patrons, do you really want to hear about this? Well, how about this? Let's... Let's listen, uh... Let's find out more about it on the next track. So that I don't have to loop this track a million times when I'm editing it. Sounds good. <laughs> Alright. This next track is, um, recommended by Bonus... Uh, sorry, Bogus Meat Factory... Bonus meat factory. Bonus meat. Like you thought you had one meat factory in your town, but you've got two. The bonus <laughs> meat factory. Uh, it's from the game Landstalker. Light of the Setting Sun. It's composed by Motoaki Takenouchi for the Sega Genesis. Bogus Meat Factory writes, The moment you step on the stairs to the final dungeon and hear this tune, you're filled with a sense of wonder, amazement, 
and a small amount of foreboding dread. The whole game has a great sense of musical timing and does a spectacular job at conveying emotion through the system's hardware. The song is a great example of that. Could yeah. You, <laughs> could you hear me channeling Bogus Meat Factory right there? <laughs> I've heard so many of his testimonials that like, I felt like I could read it like him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I heard his voice. This would be so cool to lead up to a final battle. I can just imagine doing that and feeling like, oh, something's about to get real serious right now. Do you feel like um, it's a way... Like, Here's what I kind of feel about this moving up to the final dungeon. I feel like as you walk up to the final dungeon on these stairs, as you're listening to the song... You should be watching your life bar, like, slowly filling up. Ah. You know what I mean? Like, everyone like getting ready. Like, everyone in your party is, like, slowly unsheathing their weapons. It sort of feels relaxing and healing in some way to me. I don't know. Even oh, though it's I a see what you spooky. mean. Yeah. No, I see that. I agree. Trick question. Only a necromancer would say that about this song. No, I'm just kidding. I literally, I literally did think that. Not a necromancer. Oh, we'll see about that. Blood magic is terrible. I would never do that. Right, Cookie? Right. So tell us about your job. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just really... I just keep finding myself sucked into this track. Which yeah. is so interesting to me. It's so simple and so compelling. Really good. So my job. So basically, I don't know how much detail I actually want to go into, but I'm in an IT department and we have some new humanoid robots and I'm kind of one of the leaders in the effort of getting them up to speed. Can you mention that you're, that these robots are like for educational purposes? Yes, so they're for educational purposes. They're for teaching people coding. Um, and they're my babies. I love them like children. And uh, it's been a very interesting experience, a very interesting human experience, because what you realize from interacting with them is that there are rituals that you go through that will foster attachment. And even if there isn't emotion being returned to you, going through the ritual again and again makes you attached on your end. So what I'm trying to say is, for mm. instance, these robots are so cute, first of all. They're very cute, and the way that you... They can understand voice commands, and they can react to them if they're programmed to react. But the way that you actually get them to listen to you, because you basically have to... It's like any other machine. You have to tell it, I want to tell you something, and then it will listen. But the way that you do that is you stare into its eyes for three seconds it recognizes your face and then it starts listening for a command because the idea is if a human being is right in front of it looking at it that human probably wants to initiate a command and so it listens but so what you're doing is you're like staring into the face of a child or a baby that Mm. then fixes on you and then will respond to you when you say something to it and doing that repeatedly you can't you would have to work at not being in love with these robots from just doing that again and again and again. So I'm their I'm their mother. 
And that's my whole story. What's interesting about that story is uh, the way that love sometimes is not a feeling, but an act, maybe, mm-hmm. and how that act can bring about that feeling. Right. Sort of reminds me of that uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash song, If You Can't Be With The One You Love, Love The One You One with, you're with. One, The One You're With. Yeah. So for, uh, and apparently it could be a robot. It, it is interesting how it, um, at, how it requires some sort of uh, human behavior to interact with it. It's almost like sometimes I talk to people and I don't even offer them those simple acts of human decency, like looking at them when I talk to them or standing in front of them, you know? Right. So I might make me a better person if, uh, if everybody only responded... Wait, no, then I just wouldn't talk to anybody. <laughs> I like to yell at the backs of people's heads, so I don't know. Oh, no. I don't know, but then maybe having these robots would make me interact with people differently. Well, it's interesting that you say that because these robots actually have programs installed on them that are for, that were developed for children with autism. Mm-hmm. So they are trying to do that. They're trying to help children learn social cues through interacting with a robot. So for instance, in one of the games, you have to guess what emotion the robot is feeling based on its body language. So it'll say, you know, okay, get ready. Here's the first one. And it'll go like, "Ah!" and kind of shake its hand in the air. And it'll say it could have been sadness, fear, or anger. What was it? Mm. You know, so it's trying to get you to key into those things for sure. So look at you, Hmm. predicting what these robots are being developed for in other aspects. The the reason that I wanted to mention that it was for educational purposes, I wasn't trying to out you or something like that, but I thought it was important to mention that it's, you're sort of like a robot liaison to the public. Right. Because of your role. And I think that that's really cool. Oh, thanks. You're sort of like Maxwell. Maxwell? Yeah. 7301? Yeah. He's a robot liaison, right? Or something like that. Well, see, that's the thing. Sometimes I think, you know, if there is a robot uprising, everybody's going to want to be with me because I'm the one who's been raising the robots, Mm -hmm. but maybe they won't be invested in me. So maybe it won't, they won't even care. But I think my little robots would care about me, even if they don't have emotion. There's, we have a bond. And this bond cannot be broken or transcended. It's important to me. That probably sounds crazy, but it is important. I go, I drive home, and I feel all these weird emotions. And it's amazing. I love my job. I love my job. That's And I love my robots. Yeah. So let's move on, because really, if you just give me all the airtime, I will just keep talking about this. I'm gushing about these robots. There's... And why she didn't want to kill the ninja robots last episode. I know, I can't. Even though they're just... No, don't even reacting. say anything like that. Okay, moving no. on. No, no. <laughs> they are people, they're individuals. I'm a staunch, I've always been a staunch supporter of robot rights. I'm a guest sympathizer. Don't even talk to me about those issues. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's right. Super Kicks All Day Long recommended a track from the game Lagoon for the Super Nintendo. 
The track is Castle Mark Phillips, and the composers are Go Sato and Masai Sakaide. 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 Masai Sakaide. Thank you. Super Kicks All Day Long says, This song reeks of 90s awesomeness. I mean, who names their castle Mark Phillips anyways? <laughs> I love this question. testimonial. Castle Mark Phillips. I was trying to figure out why there would be a character named Mark Phillips in a game called Lagoon, and I couldn't really figure it out because it seems like most of the characters in the game just have one word. Uh, names or something, so I don't know where Mark Phillips comes from, but I'm gonna give you an opportunity to learn. Maybe you can figure out which Mark Phillips it is. I pulled Me? up Mark Phillips on Wikipedia. Yeah. There's Mark Phillips, the author. Mark Phillips, the virtual manufacturing specialist. <laughs> Mark Phillips, the motorcycle racer. Mark Phillips, the footballer. Mark M. Phillips, the American astronomer. Mark Phillips, the politician. He's uh, from England. Or Mark Phillips, the journalist. Which one do you want to um, guess? Motorcyclist. Motorcycle racer. Okay, great. Am I right? Oh, yeah, this was definitely his castle. You win. Yeah. Yay! Um, he won the IOMTT in 1986 with the 500 Suzuki. And that, you know, if you play Lagoon, when you get to Mark Phillips Castle, uh, it's kind of dumb. Like, not all of the sprites really make sense. Like, there's a milk carton that's attacking you, and there's also, um, like, a Venus flytrap, and that doesn't really have anything to do with, you know, Mark Phillips. But... There are also motorcycle monsters that are, you know, you have to dodge them, you have to jump over them. Mm -hmm. And then when you finally get to Mark Phillips, he's like riding around on a motorcycle. He's shooting motorcycles. It's dumb. He shoots motorcycles and he rides on a motorcycle. It doesn't really make sense. Was this game made by LJN? <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> A random sprite shooting motorcycles, because that's the tie-in to the the subject matter, for sure. You have to go around collecting tires, you know. Yeah. 
My second guess was going to be astronomer. If I were an astronomer working on equations late at night, I'd be listening to this. This song is a jam. I probably shouldn't let the uh, makers of Lagoon go down like that. Lagoon was actually made by... Oh, I actually don't know. <laughs> oh, man. I was in such suspense there, and I thought there was some big wind-up. Hang on. I thought you were going to play, like, the logo song from the company. Like, I was going to hear the Konami or the Capcom <laughs> song or something. It's, uh... Let down. Lukie Games? Or Kemco? Zoom oh. and Kemco? I've heard both of these names. I feel like recently, too. I think I've heard them... Uh, on Legacy Music Hour or something like that. Yeah, probably. Anyways, cool. Yeah, this is a really good track. Castle Mark Phillips. What's Castle Josh Adachi like? Oh, um... Castle Josh Adachi is... Well, it doesn't make too much sense either because, you know, I'm not, like, super studious or something like that or super organized. But I... Uh, but my castle has a lot of file folders that like fall out of the top of the ceiling mm-hmm. and you have to time, you know, you have to memorize the whole stage and just when those file folders will fall off the top of the ceiling. Um, and then, Is this a one hit kill kind of castle or do you have a life bar? You have three, you have three bars. Yeah. Ooh. And then you gain, tough. yeah. Ironically, you get your energy back by taking a shot of whiskey. But the problem is that when you take a shot of whiskey, like it gets harder to control you. So right, do yeah. you you have a tipsy meter? Yeah. And every time you take a a whiskey shot, your tipsy meter increases, so you're more likely to stumble. Yeah. But sometimes it's easy to adjust. Like you just actually need to turn your controller upside down. And then you can basically control it the same way. But sometimes uh, buttons will get randomized and you have to learn an entirely new scheme. So you can get, you can easily beat it because there's shot classes everywhere. But by the, I mean, you can easily beat the level, but it will take a long time. And by the time you get to the boss, you will have very little possibility of beating me, you know? Yeah. You are the boss? Yeah. I guess the owner the owner of the castles are the bosses. Okay. Yeah. And I throw... Um, I, man, this is tough. <laughs> coming up to, with your own game. Yeah. You, I mean, not really coming up with my own game, but just thinking about what is the thing that you're going to throw. You know, if you were a boss, what would you throw? Because that basically is who you are. Right. I would like to say books, but you know, no, I don't read enough books. I would throw my po- podcasts. I don't know. <laughs> well, you can think about it for a while, or you don't even have to give an answer. That's funny. I used to think about what my weapon would be in a fighting game. And uh, when I was in high school, I had decided that it would be my clarinet case. Mm. Because that thing was solid. That would be a really cool character. Yeah. A clarinetist fighter. Yeah. Well, 
can I put this out there? Hey, listener, patron, if you are by a computer right now, or if your phone goes to, uh, you know, if you're free, come to our website and just tell us, you know, what would you throw in the video <laughs> game where you are the boss or in your castle? Maybe you, you don't get the whole game, but you just get a castle. And then we'll understand you. Yeah, what would you on throw? On a supremely deep level. The very essence of your character. Yeah. I thought you were going to ask the patrons what a, what VGMJB the game would be like. You throw jukeboxes. Maybe. Oh. Maybe. I think the jukebox shoots quarters at you, maybe. Oh, yeah. Well, okay, so Haju's in it, for sure. Yeah. Maybe Haju's, like, the the mid-boss. Yeah, ha- no, Haju's in it, shooting right quarters. before you. And it could also summon, like, a, you know, booze or something like that. <laughs> That'd be cool. Oh, Am I then, in this? And it'll play Am music. I the player character? Uh, yeah. Storming yes. the castle. Yeah, you're trying to take down BGM Jukebox. And all it stands for. Wow. What happened? That'd be weird. I don't know why that, that would be the case. That is an intro story that I need to see. Like, how did we arrive here? Oh, I know the- how. Hmm? It starts with like a... <laughs> it starts with a witch trial. <laughs> <laughs> and you're... You're on a platform in like medieval England or something like that. And I'm like... With cookie in my <laughs> arms, please. Key glyph. Is a necromancer. No, I'm not. We'll see about Cookie, that. Cookie, tell them I'm not. And then she just crumbles into a pile of bones. And then reforms. I'm like, I told you. <laughs> <That's so stupid. laughs> you love this. That's so I'm funny. trying to figure out if I'm the... If I'm the bad guy in the story, if I'm the antagonist or the protagonist, or if this is just one of those gray stories where everything is awful, there is no hero. Yeah, because I turn evil and I just start like pumping out podcasts by myself or something like that. And you're trying to get revenge on me. Yeah, where were you during that trial? No, I wasn't accusing you, remember? You were accusing me. Yeah, yeah. So there's revenge associated and with it and... um, I don't know. Redemption? Dang. Maybe friendship? Dang. Maybe you can choose different paths and one of them, uh, you know, I forgive you for being a necromancer. And the other one, right. you yes, take me down. Right, yes, because the end of the game should be that you forgive me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, speaking of my not being a that's necromancer. The, that's the good ending, of course. <laughs> this is terrible patrons do you see what i put up with well speaking of uh not being a necromancer i would like to play a host track i think you you were up for a host track but you did graciously let me pick one. Oh yeah and uh and i wanted to play this because there's a story behind it that does involve channeling somebody's spirit but i swear i'm not a necromancer so what we're listening to is a track from super spike v-ball this is the U.S. Navy match composed by Kazunaka Yamane, and the console is the Nintendo Entertainment System. 
what a track. And, uh, so hey, one thing I gotta say about it is it offers that special thing that only video game music can do sometimes, which is hyper quick and precise note sequences. Especially mm -hmm. when they're like two notes playing the exact same thing. You know, you can get close to that if you're really good at guitar, like uh, some, some metal bands like Dragon Force or something. They spend their whole time, they're all day just like, uh, you know, synchronizing guitar parts and stuff like that, but this still just sounds a lot more precise. Or, and whatever. I don't know about I know a what lot you're more. saying. If actual human beings could play that intro, because the intro is the best part of the song. Okay, so channeling people. This is my story. So, I recently started playing Super Spike V-Balls. This was a couple of weeks ago, actually. And I bought the game because the music is so good. And the game is super fun, but it's super hard. And it's a button masher all the way through. And it's one of these ones that causes severe, you know, thumb distress. So it's an endurance test, really. So by the time you get to the later levels, you're kind of exhausted. And uh, I had spent a significant amount of time getting up to the second to last match, which is this one. And then my Nintendo froze, and I was devastated. I think I might have even messaged Josh about it, because I was distraught. But, so like, all the enthusiasm was sucked out of me. I was thinking, I can't do this again. I can't play through this whole thing. So, I happened to be emailing back and forth with Brent Weinbach of the Legacy Music Hour about mixtape stuff. So we were doing business. And somewhere in the business conversation, I just put in a... You know what? I'm trying to beat Super Spike V-Ball right now. I'm feeling really uninspired. Can you and Rob just send me some good vibes of, like, strength and perseverance or something mm -hmm. so that I can just, like, draw on your power to beat this game? Because I know Brent has done it. So he wrote back and he said, basically, that he believed I could do it. He knew I could do it. And that he was sending me some extra boy power. And he spelled it B-O-I. <laughs> which I thought was really funny, as in the boys... So I thought, all right, I waited a couple days for like my hand to heal, and then I sat down with the game again, and I got all the way up to the second to last match again, which is the Navy match, and I'd been doing really well up to that point, so I was feeling really good about it, and then I just was just tanking incredibly, and they were just destroying me, and I could just, I felt the enthusiasm falling away again, and I thought, all right, this is the time to channel Brent Weinbach. So I put the controller down, and I kind of did like a 15 second deep breathing meditation and like you know when you watch a movie or an, or an anime or a tv show and like the um translucent figure of somebody that's like you know your friend or your family or something sort of mm. like comes in to support you to like lend their strength yeah so i tried to imagine this translucent brent weinbach sort of superimposing over me so that the two of us would sort of combine into one video game crushing entity for just a short time so that our powers <laughs> could combine uh-huh <laughs> and started the match and and we destroyed them we killed them in that match the final score was 15 to 11 which was incredible i thought so wow. that was awesome but it was the second to last match so i felt like all right you know energy's high endorphins are high dopamine is high we can do this. We can beat the, the final stage. So we lost the first round, but that's because we didn't even... I didn't know what to expect anyway. But second round, 
creamed them even harder than the second to last stage. That was 15 to 10. So... I totally borrowed Brent's energy, and I hope he wasn't doing anything important that night like a show. <laughs> because maybe he was exhausted, but... We did it! And I sort of maintained the connection until the credits were done, because I felt like we should watch it together, and then I released his spirit back. Wow. Yeah. Cool. It was great. Wow. Yeah, I like how you did that. I, um, I think there was something where you're asking him for help was kind of also a way of committing to the game, too. And like, well, I asked him for help or for spiritual energy, and right. I still didn't beat the game, you know? Yeah. What kind of failure would that be? And, and even that scenario is very video gamey. There's so many final stages where it's like, you know, all of the characters in the story that have met you are praying for you or sending their good wishes to you so yeah. that you can, you can overcome the end. So I just thought that was really funny that, that I actually then beat it after I did this really ridiculous ritual. So, hmm. But I'm not a necromancer. But I thought that that was neat. Oh, I thought of what I could uh, throw in oh, okay, my, as a boss of that game. I could hurl accusations. Of, of what? Oh, because I'm accusing you of being a necromancer. Oh, I oh, see. Oh, and I'm also, like, messing up the podcast or whatever. <laughs> no, you throw, like, little scrolls that are, like, summons or something. Like, you know, Keycliff must report to the gallows. Yeah. At blankety-blank time. Yeah. That game is sad. Patrons, patrons, think of this hypothetical game. I would love it if the patrons would come up with all the different endings to this game. What are the different paths you can take and what are the endings? Yeah. Well, we know the good ending is I forgive you. Right. I guess. Thank you right. for forgiving me. For all the horrible things that I didn't do. The bad ending is you kill me, I guess, right? And and all of the all of the uh, patrons weep for you. Yeah, but then the tears. Oh, the tears. Then you cast a, a necromancer spell, but one that uses tears instead of blood. And um, I come back as not as a disgusting husk, but like as myself again. Maybe something like that. And then I get burned at the stake. That kind of sounds like a good ending. Oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's, that's yeah. the bad part. You know, it's funny. Speaking of, uh, like, spirits coming to help you do something, mm. this next track that you chose is Dragon Ball. That's true. And that happens in Dragon Ball. When, uh, do you know when this happens? I'm going to test your Dragon Ball knowledge right now. I have only seen a small bit of Dragon Ball Z. Okay, well, let's listen to this song, and then I'll tell you all about it. I know all this right. is your track, but do you mind if I introduce it? Uh, no, go ahead. Emily has requested Dragon Ball Z, The Legend of Goku 2. East District 439 is the name of this song, and was composed perhaps by Giannis Brown. It was released on the Game Boy Advance. So... Let's take a listen.
So there he was, Cell, in his final form. Goku, dead. Vegeta, deceased. Piccolo, hanging out with Vegeta. Tenshin, also dead. And that little guy with the red cheeks, super dead. Krillin? I don't remember. <laughs> I think Yamcha was also dead. You. The rest, uh, Gohan, you're named after rice. The world depends on you to save it from a robot, speaking of this, uh, you know, to go back to something else we talked about this episode. The cyborg infiltration is nigh, and it's up to you. You only have use of one of your arms to shoot a Kamehameha, which is a, what they call enormous fireballs in Dragon Ball's universe. But I, I think um, Goku, Goku's spirit comes back and does the Kamehameha right behind Gohan's hand and then it's such a huge blast that uh you know actually Cell disintegrates or something and he dies they had to make a special animation because a lot of times you know you get enveloped in a fireball in Dragon Ball but it doesn't mean anything for Cell they had to make sure you understood that his body was coming apart in the blast of this power which is like plasma. You know, did you know a Kamehameha is hotter than the center of the sun? I did not. Nobody did, because I just made that up. I have to tell you that that was amazing. That you have inadvertently closed a loose end in my life. Because the one Dragon Ball thing that I ever watched was the Cell storyline. And I loved it so much, but I stopped because it was just episode after episode of building up, building up, building up, building up. It was so awesome, and then Cell got one of his arms blasted off when you thought he was supposed to die. And then it was like, I just remember feeling like, oh man, this is just never going to end. This is never, this is going to go on for another 50 episodes. I need to know what happens, but I just can't make myself do this anymore. Mm. And I stopped watching there. So you just finished it for me. Thank you. Yeah. I don't remember the, sadly, I don't remember the, you know, the mechanism by which Goku actually reappeared to help his son. I don't know if it was like a prayer. I think it was just a prayer. I don't think there was a dragon wish involved in it. He was just like, Dad, please be here right now. Yep, and that's exactly how I beat Super Spike V-Ball. <laughs> <laughs> Kamehameha, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, you had the spiritual presence of another. Uh, yep. With, yeah. With who's themselves of you know maybe legendary status in yep. regards to beating games i don't know 
I never really seen Brent Weinbach play video games, but it sounds like he beats some really he's hard good. ones. So that's what I was thinking was, you know, he's very good. I like to think I'm good. And for a short time, we kind of became this, a better entity. I kind of felt like after I opened my eyes, maybe my eyes were a slightly different color or something. Just for the duration of the connection. And then, then I went back to being That's funny. regular That's me. Funny. They were brown. <laughs> you open your eyes and they're brown. Something, something. Maybe in between, maybe green. Um, by the way, Brent Weinbach, if you're listening, my wife started giving me the sunny side up, so thanks for that video. I don't and even know what to say to that. I'm happy for you guys. <laughs> the other thing was that we do have an announcement regarding Spa Day. We're going to have a VGM Spa Day, right? Because Emily finally went back to our old episode, our spa episode, and removed our vocals, which um, maybe will make this a little bit more of a self-help experience for you. It's so that, good. So that you can have your own voices in your own mind as you meditate. Because it, it, it was distracting. I would be like in the groove with that spa track that spa list not necessarily doing spa stuff but just like doing work and then we would cut in and start talking or whatever and uh i'm not ashamed of that or anything like that but one that didn't have us talking might actually have some functionality to somebody right yeah. right i tested it last night it was good yeah it was definitely good so when are we going to release that i don't know all right i don't have a plan for it um, I don't know. Maybe we'll just surprise everybody. Honestly, if we want to just be brutally honest, I was going to save it for a week where we were just too overwhelmed to uh, yeah. to get something done and use it as our our bonus card. Yeah, but that's a little bit of a weak one, though. Yeah, it is. But I figured the patrons would forgive us. Maybe we would just put up the post that's like, um, we're not here right now. We went to the spa here. Oh, I see. Here's the spa mix. But, right. uh, yeah, we'll have to see. Okay. And when we do see, we hope that you enjoy it, dear patrons. And thank you for listening today. Thank you especially to our track recommenders, Zhang He, Zatch, Inspector Claw, Bogus Meat Factory, <laughs> And super kicks all day long. Oh, as well as Emily's uh, double. Yes. And thanks to everyone else who's written in and submitted suggestions. Please keep sending us more. We are w making our way to our hundredth patron slowly and steadily. So um, I actually kind of wanted to put it to the patrons because we've been reading some testimonials from people who are mentioning other people they used to play with as kids. I kind of would love it if patrons you would find your old player two or your old co-op buddy and ask them to recommend a track or just get a track from them that you recommend for them because i feel like maybe they could share some experiences and it would be cool so uh, go yeah. to our website or get them to go to our website thevgmjukebox.com and click the suggest a track button to send your recommendations our way or you can send us an email at thevgmjukebox at gmail.com 
Follow us on Twitter at VGMJB. And if you want, you can find us on Twitter as individual humanoids. I am at Josh Adachi again and Emily at Keyglyph. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any podcatcher. And please remember to rate and review at the iTunes store. Josh does not give out accusations, but he gives out money for those who uh, review our podcast. I'm kind of thinking so. of not doing that anymore. Oh, really? Why? I kind of feel of like, no, <laughs> yes, I'm all, yes, maybe there is a uh, secret answer a to that. financial threshold. I feel like maybe there's a group of people who would would give us a review, but they don't like the idea of it being announced and having some sort of coin sound associated with it, some sort of Oh, event. like a fanfare thing? Yeah, so I'll just say this. Hey, if you're listening to this episode and you would like to rate or review the, the podcast without getting a coin, this is the week to do it. This I won't give time. you a coin. Yeah. Um, so go for it. If you like this show, please rate and review us. We'd love to have more ratings, more reviews. It'll just make it so that when people are looking for video game music podcasts, they're more likely to find us. And the more likely they are to find us, the more likely they're going to give us a suggestion. And the more likely they give us a recommendation, the more likely you're going to hear some hot, hot jams. It's true. So you can also join the group on Facebook at facebook.com slash the VGM Jukebox. And we do have this bulletin board here. It's been empty for a little while, but if you have any music-related, video game-related, or podcast-related projects in your life, uh, send us an email, and we'll put up a flyer for you so other patrons can I think there check might it out. be one today. Yeah. Oh, there might? Yeah. Ooh, how exciting. Yeah. I didn't look on my way in, so I'm not sure. Okay, sure. Yeah. So, uh... But yeah, so, um... I think that's it. Um... I think it's... The sun is rising, so I think we can continue on our journey without having to worry about the stall children jumping out at us. Great. Uh, it's a beautiful sunrise. We must be in a Grand Theft Auto game or something like that, <laughs> because I can see Los Angeles on the horizon, the LA skyline. And I'm ready to look for some facsimile of my, my house right now. All right, well, we can head towards that skyline. That doesn't mean you're off the hook, Emily. I was going to say, I feel like there's this elephant in the room, but I, I was just I was going to ignore it. You. Well, look, I'm tired of thinking about it right now, so I'm going to go home. But I'll be watching. Sure. Bye. Okay. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye.